Welcome to Victory Fellowship's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. There are different degrees of God's anointing and presence in your life. And you can determine to be satisfied and camp out at any level. Or not. And, um, you know, that's, you know, that's why... Um, Worshiping, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no instant spirituality. There takes time. That's why, you know, the word saturation is a part of our our lingo at Victory Fellowship. Saturation is is talking. It's another way of saying waiting in God's presence, saturating in His presence. That's what we did this week. We had services every night. You know, we've um, we started Saturday night. Tonight will be nine nights in a row that I've been having worship services in church. It's been awesome. Saturation. Saturation. Somebody say saturation. And what's, what starts to happen when you get in that atmosphere is you become spiritually in tuned and spiritually aware. Your body might get tired, but you become spiritually aware. It's good. And um, just a little testimony that will go along with what I'm going to share this morning. I had, um, I think it was Wednesday night toward the end of the service. You know, some of the nights um, that went kind of late. Um, we went, one, uh, Freddie would come hand me the mic at the end of the service, and it's some, it was often at 11 o'clock when he handed me the microphone. It was um, a night of worship, you know, a lot of times. We'd worship for hours. And Wednesday night, I went back into my office just during the altar ministry while um, Brother Freddie was starting to pray for people. And, um, you know, I had, to go, I had to go run to the restroom, you know, as I ran back in there. And I was in a hurry. I wanted to get back before, um, um, you know, I was missed or whatever. And um, it was like, I wa- if you ever walked into a room and you felt somebody was in the room, it's like I walked into my office and it was, it was like, it was like something hit me right in my face. I walked into, I walked into presence when I walked into my office. It's like I was going to go through my office to the restroom. And I was like, whoa, this is uh, the only way I can describe it. I felt like it felt years and years ago when I'd walk into my dad's living room. That's what it felt like. It felt like, you know, people are sitting in the room and there was, there was a presence in, the, in that room. There's a presence of the Lord. I'm sure there was heavenly beings in that room. And, the, you know, that, that, the thing, when you start talking like that, natural people and um, lost people and natural Christians, they start thinking that you're flaky or you're weird or you're, you know, so heavenly minded and you're no earthly good. That's absolutely, it, that's absolutely error. If you go through the scriptures, you'll find heavenly beings all over the place, all throughout the Bible. It was common for, for people to experience angelic visitations in their life. Very common for people to experience the power of God in their life. And if you think things like that are flaky, you're probably carnal. <laughs> Just say it. Anyway, I want to I share with you today about, about tongues about tongues of, of angels. It's this, listen, listen what it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. This is Paul the Apostle. Now he says, in a half not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. He was talking about um, the, the motivation for the gifts of the Spirit, that the love of God, love for people, love for hurting people, had to be the, at the foundation of spiritual manifestations. But in, in discussing this, he used a phrase that I think is quite, quite, um, quite enlightening. 
he spoke about speaking in the tongues of angels. That was one of the things that Paul, one of the things that Paul called praying in our heavenly language. Praying in the tongues of angels. And, and he seemed to believe that when we prayed in, in our heavenly language, that sometimes we were speaking in non, unknown human languages, and sometimes we were speaking in unknown heavenly languages. The language of the angels. Now, now, why is that? If, that, if, that, if, that's, if that's true, I would think that there's probably, probably a language that will be spoken in heaven. The language in heaven, it's not going to be English or Spanish or Latin or Aramaic, and, and it's probably not going to be Hebrew. I believe it's going to be a, a totally different language. Who knows what that language is? It's probably the language that's being s- spoken there now by the inhabitants of heaven. Is anyone out there this morning? Now, it's, what I'm telling you is, is, is biblical. If you go back in Genesis, I think it's Genesis chapter 11. If that, before the, the Genesis chapter 11, every person on earth spoke the same language. And God came down and, and mixed up their languages because of the rebellion that was in their hearts. Well, there was a miracle of restoration of language for humans on this earth that took place in Acts chapter 2, which was the reversal of the Tower of Babel. In Babel, they were scattered into division and spoke divisive languages. On the day of Pentecost, they came together into a place of unity, harmony, and one accord, and they began to speak in the language of the angels. There's something about it. So I, I've got a, a devotion I want to read to you, and then I've, I've got some things I want to share with you about, about the power of this, this beautiful, beautiful language. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Paul was speaking about the tongues of angels. It seems like most commentaries bypass this part and focus on their perceived view of the heavenly language. The part that says that the tongues are useless without love. Well, so is everyone else. So is everything else. Evangelism is worthless without love. Preaching is worthless without love. Even given to the poor can be done hypocritically without love. The amazing thing is that praying in tongues is actually the language of intimacy and love. It's the love language of heaven. In 1 Corinthians 14, 2, it says, He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Actually, the Message Bible says if you praise him in the private language of tongues, God understands you, but no one else does, for you are sharing intimacies. Intimacies just between you and him. Praying in the Spirit is the love language of the heavenly beings. After all, heaven is a world of love. And here, here are some interesting comments about the tongues of angels from um, Albert Barnes' commentary. He said, the language of angels here seems to you be used to denote the highest power of using language. It's evidently derived from the idea that the angels are superior. In our, in our fallen state, the angels are superior to us in all respects. They, that they must have endowments in advance of all which man can have. It may be possible, it might, ha, might be possible to have reference to the idea that they must have some mode of communicating their ideas to one another and that this dialect or mode must be far superior to that which is employed by man. Man is imperfect. All of his modes of communication are defective. There were numerous angelic appearances in the early church according to the book of Acts. Peter was released from prison by an angel... An angel appeared to Paul during the storm. 
An angel was involved in Philip's ministry to the Ethiopian treasurer. An angel was even involved with Peter's ministry to the Gentiles at Cornelius' house. I think angels are involved with all of our services today. I think angels become more obvious when churches begin to step over into the heavenly realm that brings us back to the tongues of angels. We need a greater emphasis on the heavenly language of love. Personally and corporately, there needs to be extended times of worshiping God in the language of the angels. And as we do, don't be surprised if the angels join in as they hear the Lord being worshipped in their own very language. It's the language of intimacy. You know, um, I think there's, there's a lot of, of, of scorn toward heavenly gifts, especially the heavenly language of love. There's a lot of mockers that mock praying in tongues. There's a lot of mockers that say that, that tongues are, are insignificant and unimportant and not to be used in a corporate setting, totally unbiblical. Tongues are important. They're, they're an important part of our life. As a matter of fact, when I begin to speak in my heavenly language, it's, it's the way that God has given to get control of this human vessel. As a matter of fact, James said that the tongue is like a rudder of the ship. And as I begin to get control of my tongue, I get control of my whole being, spirit, soul, and body. It begins to direct the course of my life. And so as I begin to... As I begin to praise Him with my heavenly language, suddenly I become more and more aware of the kingdom of God. I become more aware of Jesus. I become more aware of His powerful word. I become more aware of the needy condition that our world is in. I become more aware of the presence of the angels all around us. I become more aware of the power of evangelism and touching people through the preaching of the Word of God. It's a powerful thing. So if, first, let's, let's, let's look at this, this heavenly language. If you praise Him, 1 Corinthians 14, 2, if you praise Him in the language of tongues, God understands you, but no one else does, for you're sharing intimacies just between you and Him. Praying in the heavenly language is actually praying in my mother tongue. English is the language of this world. Praying in tongues is the language of the other worlds. You know, we won't need to pray in tongues when we get to heaven because we'll know the language. We'll know the language. We'll be speaking the language of God. We'll be speaking the love language. You know, on earth they say the Latin languages are the language of love. In heaven, there's, a, there's a deeper language of love. Oh yeah, there's a deeper, deeper, more, prof more profound language of love. And it sounds something like this. Jesus, you're so beautiful. Jesus, you're so wonderful. I'm interpreting my prayer. Jesus, you're so glorious. Jesus, you're so magnificent. Jesus, your glory is filling the heavens and filling the earth. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love everything about you. Jesus, you're my forever friends. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, it's also the language 
of revelation. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, 2 in the New King James, He who speaks in, in a tongue does not speak to men, but speaks to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he's speaking mysteries. Speaking mysteries, speaking revelation. It's, you know, there's, the, the Bible talks about how the Bible itself is spiritually discerned. It's impossible to understand spiritual truth with just your intellect only. It has to be given to you by revelation. No one can get saved except by revelation. No one can understand the Bible except by revelation. And as, as we begin to speak this language of the heavenlies, this heavenly language of angels, more and more as it becomes part of our DNA, part of, of who we are, and we begin to flow with this heavenly rhythm, we begin to, we are declaring the mysteries of God. We're declaring the mysteries of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We're declaring the mysteries of redemption. These mysteries are, are going out of us and going into us us. You know, there's many, many times that God will speak to your spirit and you'll begin to get it in your spirit before you get it in your mind. That's why, oh, I love this. If you, if you start walking under the anointing, you get into saturation services, you're, you're reading your Bible at night before you go to bed and praying in the heavenly language, there'll be times when the, when the spirit of the Lord will rest upon you in your sleep. I'm not speaking in tongues. I'm speaking in English right now. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon you even, even in your sleep. And that's why I would sometimes when you wake up, you'll have answers for questions. You'll, they'll just, you'll, God will speak. I've, I've woke up with full sermons in my head before. Full brand new messages. You can wake up with a new song or, or a new idea for your business or, or a, d- a solution for a dilemma that you're face- facing in life. Because the, as we speak in this language of, of, of mystery, we are speaking with the wisdom of God and God begins to speak back into us. We get a revelation of Christ. We begin to get a revelation of our own purpose in life as we pray in tongues. The wisdom of God. You begin to pray in the Spirit. You begin to see who you are and why you are. You begin to see why God has joined you together with the person that you're joined together with, why you're, you're married to that individual. God begins to unveil to you the purpose of your, of your holy matrimony, of your very marriage itself. Did you know that God has called you as a couple with a spiritual purpose? And I'm, I'm under the... I'm, this, this is, this is my, uh, my personal opinion about, about counseling and about marriage troubles. I, I'm under the persuasion that if a husband and a wife begin to pray more and more, read their Bible, renew their mind, and pray in their heavenly language, pray in their heavenly language a lot, what will begin to happen is they'll begin to get the spirit of wisdom and revelation in their hearts, and they'll begin to see why they are. They'll begin to see their purpose as a husband and a wife, that they have a spiritual purpose. And when that husband and that wife embrace their unity of spiritual purpose, the purpose God has joined them together, what the purpose is, you'll begin to see marriage problems going out the door. God has called you as husband and wife for more than just to raise children to be good soccer players. Is anyone listening to me out there? That's not your ultimate purpose. That's fun and all that. 
But he's called you with a spiritual purpose to influence your world for Christ, to influence your family for Christ, to influence your neighborhood for Christ, to influence your your relatives and your business relationships. He's called you corporately as husband and wife to make a difference in your world. You're not married by accident. And you begin to discover, it's like scales rip off. When you get in this atmosphere, Hallelujah. Scales coming off, and we begin to see through the fog clearly who Christ is, who we are. We begin to see the purpose of our church rather than listening to foolish carnal people who mock the church and criticize the church. You begin to listen to the word of God. You begin to listen to this inner witness of the Holy Ghost. You begin to see the purpose and the power of your local church that God's called you to. And you begin to support it with your prayers. Oh, Jesus, your kingdom is powerful. Thank you, Lord, for, that I'm called for such a time as this. Thank you, Lord, that I have a small part to play. It might be just a little. I'm just ringing my little bell. It might not be huge, but I have a part. My family has a part in the kingdom plan. Hallelujah. Let him unveil it to you. It's part of why we pray in tongues. Oh, yeah, praying in tongues. It's the, it's the language of intimacy. It's, it's, the, it's the language... Of, of mystery and revelation, it's the language of power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and even to the uttermost parts of the earth, Jesus said. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and each set one and, and one set upon one tongue set upon each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This was the fulfillment, the beginning of the fulfillment of Jesus' prophecy. You'll be filled with power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You know, the Holy Spirit praying in the heavenly language puts us in touch with the power of God. And the power of God gets on us and gets on our tongue. It does. It gets on our tongue and, and it begins to affect, it begins to affect us. For example, if you, if you ever, you know, you can go, you can listen to somebody, two people pray the exact same prayer and one sounds cold and dead and someone else prays the same exact prayer and the power of his presence fills the room. You can go to a church that sings the same chorus and go to another church that sings the same chorus. One, it sounds cold and lifeless and religious. And one, the power of God's presence fills the room. What is that? It's the power of His presence. It's from spending time under the influence of the power of God. His power begins to come upon us. He begins to affect our words. He affects our prayers. Our prayers take on a new power. Our worship begins to take on a new power. Our testimony begins to take on a new power. You'll begin to recognize, you start praying in tongues. This is part of your daily devotional life. You become spiritually perceptive. That day at work, suddenly you become aware of someone at work that's hurting. They're going through a problem. When the Lord gives the opportunity, you say, you know, you know I just, I want to just take a moment and, and share with you what happened in my life. And you just, 
Or, or I, can, I, can I just pray for you? It's just, it, because it's just a spontaneous thing because compassion is coming out of you. And when you begin to just open your mouth and you say, this, this is what happens when I was going through a circumstance similar to that, and you start to tell what happens, and suddenly the very atmosphere changes. You don't have to do anything. You didn't have to prepare anything. You didn't have to do anything. It's actually so easy a five-year-old can do it. It's so easy anyone that has vocal skills can do it. It's easy because it's not you doing it. It's him doing it. It's, it's having the power resting upon you. And this power gets on your tongue. It begins to affect, subconsciously, it begins to affect your prayers. It begins to affect your songs. It begins to affect your testimony. So I'm praying in my heavenly language and I'm stepping into this language of, of intimacy. Love is, is beginning to follow me and love is beginning to drip through me. And, and I'm, I'm stepping into this place of, of revelation and wisdom from God. And, and now I'm stepping into this place of incredible power from the Lord. It's also the place of, of impartation and gifting. Paul in Acts chapter 19, oh, I love this story in Acts chapter 19. It's actually the birthing of, of one of the great churches in the New Testament, the, the church in Ephesus. Paul went to Ephesus and he found 12 Baptist Christians in Ephesus. And I always everyone you know, thinks I'm making a joke. I'm not really joking. I'm not making a joke. I'm not joking. I'm telling the truth. He found 12 people who believed in Christ, who had been baptized in the water, but knew absolutely nothing about the Holy Spirit. And they were Baptists. And Paul started talking to them. He started talking to them about, about the Holy Spirit and about what else was available to them. These 12 men. And, and then it says in Acts 19, it says, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, Paul the apostle laid his hands on them and the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and... And, and, you can say it, they prophesied. These were brand new, brand new in the faith. Brand new, just experiencing the first, the first day of being touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. The first time they ever spoke in the language of the angels. And they begin to speak. And the next thing you know, the, this, their natural words were starting to come out. God is doing a new thing in Ephesus. The power of God is moving in the land. God is pouring out His Spirit in this land on our family, on our sons and our daughters. This region will be touched with the power of Almighty God as they begin to prophesy. Well, if you read the rest of the chapter, what an incredible, one of the great chapters in the Bible. It says, if you go back in some of the old manuscripts that came from the church in Antioch, the old written, handwritten manuscripts of the book of Acts, there was footnotes written in the, in the side of the manuscripts in Acts chapter 19. And it said that, that Paul rented a place called the School of Tyrannus and had daily meetings for 18 months. And these daily meetings lasted from 10 in the morning to 4 in the afternoon, most every day. And the miracles began to break out. Oh, and you read the story in, in, in Acts, miracles began to break out. And, and 
they began to take pieces of clothes from Paul's body and, and people were healed and demons came out. And it says that that whole region began to experience the power and presence of God to the point that every person in Asia Minor, every person in Asia Minor, modern day Turkey, heard the word of God preached to them in the next 18 months. Spiritual impartation. Spiritual impartation. Oh yeah, it's, it's not even hard. You're just loving on God. You're just, you've, you've stepped out of the natural and you found that, hey, this is actually good. This is fun. I can get into this. Oh yeah. And you're not trying to do anything. You're not trying to work something up. But as you're doing that, as you're doing that, your faith is growing. Gifts of the Spirit are being imparted. You're beginning to fall in love with God and fall in love with people falling with your family you're beginning to be filled with wisdom and revelation and all you're doing is whoa this is awesome our God is an awesome God whoa and God's doing all this stuff he's doing all this stuff and before you, and then before you know, you're just you, he's, he's he's dropping gifts into your life. You you got to you're at work and, and somebody's going through a problem and, and you say, can, can I pray with you? Put your hand on them and you start to pray for them. Next thing you know, God's speaking a word of prophecy into their life. So easy, so easy. It's not even hard. A baby Christian can experience this. Our God is an awesome God. Sebandoroste. Oh yes, try it with me for a minute. Sembrambadeste. Kamante. Hallelujah. Come on. Kambate. Hallelujah. Kabarete. Shamantora. Ha. Setalamaresta. Ha. Yemberetema. Yes, stir up. Cambresta. Cambrada. Oh, yeah. Let those ancient wells begin to bubble over. Tambreta la base. Shebata la brostore. Shekala la barasteke. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Let me just give you a couple more thoughts. Yeah, this language of the angels is also the language of healing. The language of healing. One of the beautiful things about heaven, there's no sick bodies in heaven. There's no cancer in heaven. No leukemia, no AIDS. No, no, no diabetes, no blindness, no lameness, no rheumatoid arthritis, none, no diseases. No diseases, no diabetes. There's nothing, no sickness in heaven. Nobody missing arms or nobody with a deformity. Nobody's body wearing out. Nobody's eyes wearing out. It's a place of perfection. It's a place of perfection. And as we begin to, yes, we begin to step into the powers of the world to come, singing in, the, in that language of the angels. We begin to step into that, that realm. And, and God begins to manifest his resurrection power in our midst. And it becomes a type of things to come. The healing power of Jesus that was obvious in his ministry in the life of the early church is a type and a shadow of resurrection glory, of glorified bodies. And we begin to step into it in this life. Acts 4, let me give you a couple of thoughts about that, of the scriptures. Now, Lord, they're praying in Acts 4.29. This was just after Peter and John had been threatened by the very men that had Jesus executed. If you preach in his name anymore, we're going to do to you what we did to, them, to him, to your, to your master. They went back to their friends and they began to pray, Lord, look on their threats. Grant to your servants that with all boldness that they might speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, when they had prayed, when they had prayed, 
When they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken. The building began to tremble under the mighty hand of God. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Their words began to carry the power of that heavenly language on it. With great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. This spills over into chapter 5. Through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. They were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them. The people esteemed them highly, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, both of men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them, and a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to, to Jerusalem, bringing the sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. The good news about this, he saved the best. Oh, yeah, he saved the best for last. These days are returning. Yeah, yeah, we're saying, we shebresa, the power of his presence is a witness, as a testimony of the return of these apostolic days with the power of God multiplying. Oh, we've, we're thankful for what God has done. We're thankful for the outpourings of the Spirit that we've experienced and the influence we've had as a congregation in this region, but we haven't seen the fullness of his power. There's more to come. And corporately, corporately as we step in to that other atmosphere, that other world, as we take time diligently in our, our private time and our corporate times to step into the language of the angels. Allow his presence to come upon us. Let's just let his healing virtue just flow for a moment. I've got one other scripture I want to share in a minute. But let's just let his healing virtue flow over this place. Just close your eyes and lift your hands toward heaven. Oh, yeah, the atmosphere of healing, the atmosphere of heaven. The same Jesus, the same Jesus who cast out devils and healed the sick, the same Jesus is here amongst us, putting his hands on you right now. Just stretch your hands out. Let him touch you. Let him touch you. Let him fill you. Just sing the language of healing with me. It's a healing language. It's the language of the other world. It's the language of angels. It's the language of Bethesda, the pool of Bethesda. Singing with the language of the angels. Healing virtue flowing over me. Healing virtue flowing into me. Hallelujah.
I am. I am the Lord God of your fathers. I am the God who defeated death, hell, and the grave. I am in the midst of you, says the Lord your God. I am the resurrection, and I am the life. He that believes on me shall live, even as if he dies. Yes, I am the power, the healing power that raised Jesus up from the dead. And I dwell in the midst of, of, of my people. Lift up your heads and lift up your eyes. Turn your eyes toward heaven. Set your affection toward heaven. And watch and see the things that I'll do in these days. Shebra. If I were to tell and to describe the things that are about to come upon this earth, yeah, you would not believe what I would tell you for I will shake the heavens and the earth once again before the return of my son in these days says the Lord everything that can be shaken will be shaken so lift up your heads lift up your eyes embrace the power of the world to come for I do a new thing I do an amazing thing in these days says the Lord your God Shimande Brikone Brisame Brisambrete Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we've, we've allowed the church to kick out the gifts of the Spirit. And if you ever have any church that even has any display of the gifts of the Spirit, they're made fun of. Is anyone listening to me? What a shame. Every church in those early days had the gifts of the Spirit manifesting in their churches. What a shame. We've tried to come up with Pharisaic rules to banish the gifts of the Spirit, and we think it's normal not to have any manifestations of the Spirit. Absolutely a reproach. There needs to be a return to the Pentecostal fire, and there is going to be. I saw, I saw the other night, one of the services, I saw a young Latino girl, worship leader from another church, standing up here late at night with the power of God on her, and it was, there was, an, uh, the obvious anointing was all over her, and she had that quivering lip thing. I love when that happens. Her lip was just like, la, 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 just, I can't do it. It's imp- I don't even think a human can do it in the natural, the vibrating this, Isaiah called it the stammering lips. I believe that there's, just as there was in 1906, the world came to Azusa Street. It was the return of the stammering lips and the gifts of the Holy Ghost, the speaking in the heavenly language. There's coming, you know, in each move of the Holy Ghost seems to have a different emphasis. There's coming a return, Shimbarete stay, of the stammering lips of Pentecost in this generation, Shibra, where people will be say, I am tired. I am tired of, of allowing humans to hold back the dam. It's gonna break. You know what? It's gonna, it's gonna be like a dam that breaks, and it's just gonna be all out. All out. A Pentecostal wave. Oh, I'm, not just, I'm not talking about big victory fellowship. I'm talking about an all-out Pentecostal wave is going to hit our, our world, our nation, our nation. Now, let me, this, this I, I'm just going to, I'll not finish, but I'm gonna, I'm, I'll finish for now with this passage, the one where it talks about tongues of fire, angelic tongues of fire, shikamande, angelic, everyone, I love the way that sounds, just say angelic tongues of fire. Oh, yeah, maybe you're afraid to say that. Say it anyway. Angelic tongues of fire. <laughs> you know, I'm going to talk about the burning ones tonight. I hope you come. The burning ones that are in the presence of the Lord. The angels that are on fire. There's some angels that actually appear like fire. Shibakase. When the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. 
And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. These tongues of fire, the two things they speak to me about. They speak to me about, about purification. God wants to purify His people. You know, it's so easy if, if, we're not, if we're not stepping into the pool of Bethesda, if we're not stepping into that celestial realm, realm the glory of his presence, what's, what happens to us is we become influenced by the worlds. And we become impure, impure thoughts. We start to think like the world. We start to talk like the world. start to act like the world. start to dress like the world. Now, you can't legislate morality. You can't tell people what to wear and what to, to say and what's allowable and what's not. But, you know, it's, it's not about rules. It's about a changed heart. It's about a heart that's purified by fire. Purified by fire. This fire of Pentecost is purifying. And it's not just a one-time thing. It's living in the atmosphere of this celestial fire. You get under the fire of God. Our God, Yombreta, our God is a consuming fire. He consumes dross, wood, hay, and stubble. He consumes that stuff that remains from our past as we step in and allow His hand to come upon us. Purification, purification, purification. He purifies. He washes our mind and he washes our inner man and he makes us clean before him. And fire also speaks about passion. Passion. Strong feelings. Strong feelings about God. Strong feelings about his kingdom. Strong feelings about his church. Strong feelings about the lost. Strong feelings about God's people. Strong feelings about the things of the kingdom of God, a passion. You begin to become passionate, not lukewarm, not apathetic, not ho-hum, but there's a, a passion, there's a fire burning in your furnace, in your belly. You get lit up. That fire, Chimbrama, you get lit up by the, the tongues of fire, angelic tongues of fire begin to light you up on the inside. Thanks for listening. Check out our website at www.victoryfellowship.net for service times and for more information. 